Scripture shapes our lives. This is one of the declarations of New Community Church, a declaration that defines what we believe, what we value, what we stand for. We believe that as we engage with Scripture, that's where we see life change happen. As God speaks to us and we start to see how we can reflect Him more in our lives. And this is what has been the foundation of our new series as we're working through a study of the book of Ephesians. When we look at Ephesians and how Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, is he's talking about the church and God's big plan and intention for his church, his people. And so for us, we can read it and learn about what it looks like for us to be a part of the church and what it looks like for us to live as a church in the world. What is the place of the church and what does God have for us? So tune in today. We're going to listen to Pastor Aaron Castellanos, our student pastor, as he kicks off this series, A Study Through the Book of Ephesians. Hey, good morning, NCC. How are you guys? Are y'all awake? Come on, let's give it up for God one more time. I know we did great during worship. It's such a pleasure to be with you guys this morning. I want to welcome everyone who's watching us online right now. Go ahead and comment. Let us know that you're in the house, and we do appreciate you continuing to plug in. Um, I want to take some time here for just a second to just honor our pastors and um, the reason I want to honor them, number one, they do an amazing job here, but the way they've led our church during this time, I don't know if you guys have understood everything they've had to deal with during this time. I mean, just number one, just the COVID stuff going on, that in and of itself, nobody was prepared for that. Can we agree? And they've led in such a great way during this time. But not only that, they've gone through loss in their family. They just dropped off two of their older kids in college. One of their kids is in the military. So again, if you're going to give anybody some honor and some respect in this place today, can we do that for our pastors right now? <laughs> Pastor Aaron and Sarah, we love you guys so much. Thank you for continuing to be faithful and continue to lead us. We trust you, and we know that the Lord is leading and guiding you guys. So we appreciate you guys and love you. My name is Aaron Castellanos. I'm the student pastor here at NCC in the best youth ministry in the whole wide world. I continue to declare that and believe it. Amen. It is such an honor to be able to share the word of God with you this morning. And uh, again, I want to congratulate you guys and just say how proud I am that you continue to plug in, whether it's in person or online. And as I was thinking about that, I thought about this joke that I heard one time. This pastor decided to go visit a church member who hadn't been plugging in for the last few weeks. And so he pulls up to the guy's house. He sees the guy's car parked in the driveway and thinks, perfect, he's here. He walks up to the door, and as soon as he walks up, the first thing that he notices is he can hear the TVs on. Now, typically, when you can hear the TVs on, that means they're home, right? So he goes over there, and he knocks on the door. He waits. Nothing. He knocks again, this time a little harder. Bam, 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 bam. He waits. Nothing. Again, the TV's on. And finally, he goes over there and he just bangs on the door like you do when you're trying to get somebody because you don't know if they can hear you or not. Pastor realizes nobody's coming to the door, so he grabs his business card and he writes on it, Revelations 3.20, which says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Next Sunday, the deacon comes to the pastor and he says, Pastor, I found your business card in the offering plate. Pastor looks at it. Of course, what he had written, Revelations 3.20 is on the front, but he notices that on the back, somebody had responded with Genesis 3.10, which says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So, <laughs> so if we go visit you and you don't answer the door... That's the first thing I'm going to think of. <laughs> I'm messing with you guys. Hey, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much, God. We thank you that we get to meet God both online and in person, Lord. And my prayer this morning, God, is that this word be not just something that just reaches surface level, God, but that it penetrates our hearts, God, and it affects, God, our innermost being, Lord. Let it transform us from the inside out so that we can reflect the church to the world around us, God, in a real, in a genuine way, and in such a way, God, that it draws people to want to know you. I thank you, God, for every person that's here in this place, Father, and whatever distractions we have on our minds right now, whatever is occupying our minds, whether it be financial issues, whether it be personal issues, physical issues, whatever it is, God, we make a conscious decision to say, here it is, God, we lay it at your feet. I want to hear from you today. We ask this all in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're kicking off a series today on the book of Ephesians. And uh, if you know much about Paul, then you know that a few of the letters that Paul wrote, he wrote while he was in prison, this is being one of them. Now, this letter of Ephesians, what Paul is doing is he's writing it for the church of Ephesus, but he's also writing it for the churches of Asia. Now, Ephesus in modern times would be where Turkey is right now. And it was a very popular city. It was a very uh, prominent city. It was doing very well. A lot of people would go there. One of the greatest temples to a, uh, a foreign god was there. And, 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 and all the other letters that Paul has written, what he's doing mostly is he's trying to correct or challenge an incorrect behavior. He's trying to call out heresy. You see that a lot in the other letters, but in this letter in Ephesians, what he's doing is he's painting a vision and he's giving us a picture of this is the church that God has called us to be. This is what the church should look like. And so I want to start off just right off the bat, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 10. And I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified Version. It'll be on the screen if you want to follow along, or you can grab your phones or your Bibles, right, and go ahead and follow along with me. And this is what it says. It says, Paul, an apostle, special messenger, personally chosen representative, that's what apostle means, of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed, by the will of God, that is by his purpose and choice, to the saints. So he's writing to God's people here, who are at Ephesus and are faithful and loyal and steadfast in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, it says, Blessed and worthy of praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ, just as in his love he chose us in Christ, actually selected us for himself as his own before the foundations of the world, so that we would be holy, which means to be consecrated and set apart, so that we would be holy in his sight, in love, he predestined and lovingly planned for us to be adopted to himself, his own children through Jesus Christ. 
Notice the name that keeps popping up there. In accordance with the kind intention and good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace and favor, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved, his son, Jesus Christ. And in him we have redemption, that is our deliverance and salvation through his blood, which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin. Can we praise God for that for just a second, right? That our sin has been forgiven, that our sin has been removed through Jesus. In accordance with the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. I love that word lavish, meaning he didn't hold back. In all wisdom and understanding with practical insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. There's that name again. Which regard to the fulfillment of the times, that is the end of history, the climax of the ages, to bring all things together under who? Christ. Both things in heaven and things on earth. So we read a lot there, but let me kind of just paraphrase some things that we can draw out of it. Here's what Paul is saying. We've been adopted into the family of God through Jesus. We've been redeemed through the blood of Jesus. God has revealed his unconditional love to us through Jesus. And now we have been reconciled to God through Jesus. So we're called to do the same thing as bring people back to the Father through Jesus. So if you're taking notes, my first point is this. It's been about Jesus, it's about Jesus, and it will continue all to be about Jesus. Come on, we can give it up for that. It sounds so basic, but we need to hear this message right now in this time because there's so much that is trying to divide the church. There's so much that's trying to divide us right now from the mission that God gave us as the church of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus holds us together. He's the glue. It says he brings all together in Christ and things in heaven and things on earth. But it's easy to get lost in our own personal views, in our own personal opinions that we start to forget why we are followers of Jesus Christ. The message that God is communicating through Jesus can be placed in the backseat of our lives. And now it becomes about our agenda. It becomes about our opinions being known. And that takes second place. And he keeps mentioning Jesus, Jesus, Jesus throughout this passage, this introduction, because I believe that how you introduce something says a lot about what that person considers to be the main point to be important here. What Paul is saying, when things get cloudy, when things get out of hand, when you don't know what to do because you've got all these voices talking to you, always come back to one thing, and that's Jesus. That's what it's about. There is power when the church is united, and that's what the enemy hates. So what the enemy does is he can throw something in the midst of everything, and then now this person feels that way, and this person feels that way, and before you know it, you're going in that direction, and I'm going in this direction, and we're no longer united as the church of Jesus Christ. He's challenging us, and he's saying, come back to what matters. Come back to the main point. See, guys, finding things right now that can divide us is not a difficult task. From social issues, to political views, to economic class, to even arguing whether we wear a mask or not these days. Come on, let's be honest. Y'all know what you do. You go to the store and you see someone not wearing a mask and immediately you start judging that person. I can't believe them. They must not care about my 98-year-old grandma. They don't know. Right? But it's all these things that the enemy throws in front of us. Small things, but it causes us to be divided, and the enemy knows that when a church is divided, it's losing its effectiveness here on this earth. It all comes down to Jesus. 
I was thinking the other day how many times in this period of just the last few months with everything that's going on, how many times I've had to take a break from social media. Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. When God calls me to fast, I'm like, I don't know exactly what I need to fast, social media. Because what's happening, I'm going to be honest and transparent with you, and I'm sure some of y'all can relate with this. What happens is somebody will respond or post something on social media, and you know where they stand on a certain view or issue, and now that affects how I view them. I start to build a certain view of that person, and what happens the next time I come to church, I don't think about them being my brother or sister in Christ. I'm thinking, oh, so that's where you stand on that. Some of you are thankful. You're like, I'm so lucky we're social distancing right now because I can't stand you. I don't want you sitting next to me. Or you're so lucky I'm wearing a mask right now because you can't see the face I'm giving you right now. I can't stand you right now. But that's what's happening right now. And if there's ever a time when we need to be reminded it's all about Jesus, it's right now. Now, let me be clear. This is not a cop-out for us to say, well, we don't need to address certain issues that are going on right now in our country. That's not what it is. But when our agenda and our message takes precedence over the mission that God has for us as followers of Christ, there's an issue. When we no longer see the person across from us, beside us, the person that we work with as our brother and sister in Christ, there's an issue. I believe that there should be a healthy tension there, some conversation, some topics that we bring up. And to be honest, I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like because I don't have it all together. But I know something is wrong when I no longer see that person the way God created them. I no longer see them as somebody that I should be united to wreck the kingdom of hell, to be able to wreck Satan's plans here on earth. We should be united in saying we're all on the same mission here. We may have different views. You may see things differently. But if there's one thing we can be united under, it's the name of Jesus. And that's exactly what Paul's doing here. Come on, guys. You can clap. It's okay. And then Paul starts chapter 2, and he's reminding the readers that they have been made alive in Christ. He takes them down memory lane. I'm going to take you down memory lane. He takes them down memory lane to what their life was before Jesus stepped into the picture. How they were being led by every sinful desire. How they were living without the power of the Holy Spirit and how they were following the ways of this world. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you remember what it was like before Jesus stepped into the picture? Do you remember what life was like before he came in and he transformed you? And some of you would say, yes, I remember my life was hopeless. I had no hope. I had no reason to get up in the morning. I was a horrible husband, I was a horrible wife, I was a horrible individual, greedy, selfish, always thinking about myself, not looking out for anybody else. But when Jesus stepped into the picture, he transformed me, he gave me purpose, he gave me a mission, he gave me new life. I remember the first time I felt the peace of God and just knowing this is not only what he brings, but he's transforming me completely from the inside out. Again, step back with me for just a second. What was life like before Jesus stepped into the picture? Let's not forget about that. Because what happens when we go back and we remember what life was like before Jesus is it draws an incredible praise out of us. We can't help but to worship him. We can't help but to give him glory, to say, God, people thought I was down and out. People thought there was no purpose for my life, but you took me when nobody else wanted me, God. 
You gave me purpose when nobody else said that I had purpose, God. You gave me mission when everybody else had given up on me, God. And I can't help but to praise you. Now, what they do in those old school Pentecostal churches is they do a praise break. So let's give a praise break right now. Let's give God some worship for what he took us out of, who we were before he brought us out of darkness, who we were when we didn't have peace, who we were when we were addicted, who we were when we were bound. But Jesus stepped into the picture and he made us alive in him. And that's what Paul is saying here. He said, don't forget who you were before he stepped into the picture. Jesus took me from ratchet to redeemed and repurposed. Come on. Yeah, I said ratchet. (laughs) I'm getting a shirt made one day. Y'all know y'all were ratchet before Jesus stepped into the picture. Come on. And you still see that ratchet as it's pop up. Some of you are like, what is ratchet, Mary? Go look it up. Okay. But don't forget what God brought you out of. What I encourage you to do is set reminders around you that remind you of who you were before Jesus stepped in. I love what Exodus 13 talks about. It says, and in the future, your children will ask you, what does this all mean? This is the Israelites. And it's saying, one day your children are going to ask you, why do you go and sacrifice the firstborn? And this is what the parent or the father or the mother will reply. And then you will tell them. With the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of slavery. Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go. So the Lord killed all the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals. That is why I now sacrifice as the first, all the firstborn males to the Lord. Except that this firstborn sons are always brought back. This ceremony will be a mark branded on your hand or your forehead, it is a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand brought us out of Egypt. This is a reminder. They were doing these sacrifices to never forget what God brought them out of, slavery. Set reminders around yourself that you never forget what God brought you out of. Maybe it's pictures, or maybe it's a post-it note. Or maybe it's something that in the moment you see these things, not that you should beat yourself down, but it causes you to praise God because you think, man, I knew who I was before he came into the picture. Set reminders around you. So Paul is reminding them here, you were once dead, but because of Jesus, you have new life. And then it continues in Ephesians 2.8. And I want you to really pay attention to this part here. It says, Ephesians 2, 8, for it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. It is by what? Grace. It is by what? Grace. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. Salvation is a gift that we don't deserve. Not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law, so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. What is Paul saying here? You can't earn your salvation. This is the gospel. This is the good news. We can't earn our salvation through good works. The good news that we're called to share, church, is not the track record of good things that we've done. It's God's track record of his undeserved love for us. We can't earn salvation. And I know that some of this stuff sounds basic, but you'd be surprised how many times we drift away from this message. 
Oh, I feel worthy and I feel good when I've been on my seven-day Bible reading plan. I have a streak going on. I've been reading my Bible every day, but what about when you're not? Do you still feel like you're saved? Do you still feel like God loves you? Oh, I feel worthy when I haven't sinned so much this week. I can raise my hands then. But what about when you have had a week where you've seen your flaws and your failures? What about when you've had those weeks where you have to repent and, for, and ask for forgiveness multiple times during the week? Do you still feel like you can worship God then? Do you still feel like you're saved? Do you still feel like it is an unmerited or un, undeserved gift from God to have salvation by grace? If we're honest, some of us struggle with that all the time. I know I have. When I make a mistake or I sin, I've had issues with having to beat myself up enough until I finally feel like I'm worthy to receive his forgiveness, until I'm worthy to receive his grace. But he's been beaten and bruised for our transgressions. Why do we continue to beat ourselves up? I'll never forget, God really drove this point one day. It's interesting that when you have kids, God teaches you a lot through them, right? Parents, y'all know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, you'll find out one day. And I'll never forget, I'm not going to say his name because he's in the place and he's probably going to look up, but my son, he's three years old, and he had an accident one time and, uh, you know, basically soiled himself. And, and what I notice is that when he's had accidents, he goes into this mode where he's trying to make sure that I'm okay and that I'm happy with him. So he's like being extra silly. He's being extra funny. He's trying to be like, are you okay? Like, are we okay? Are we good? And I have to almost affirm him to be like, yes, like we're okay. It was an accident. You'll be fine. Like next time, don't do that. You're three years old, right? But I find it interesting that that's how we act with God many times. That we make mistakes and it's like, are we okay? Look at me, God. I can worship. Look at me, God. I've read this amount of Bible this week. And God's like, look, I love you. See, my son's mistake does not cancel his position as my son. He's still my son when he makes a mistake. And you're still God's son and daughter when you make a mistake. When you fail, God is still saying, that has not canceled your place and position as my daughter, as my child. I still love you. So let me set some of you free this morning. You can never do anything to, love God, to make God love you less, and you can never do anything to make God love you more. His love is unconditional for you. Receive that this morning. Let it really sink in. Let it really get in there and penetrate and start to change. Because once we understand that, man, the way we view everything else changes. Now I'm no longer working for his acceptance and approval. I'm working out of it. I'm not working to become a son or daughter. I'm working out of it because I know that I am a son or daughter. So I want to do better, God, because I want to make sure that I'm reflecting and representing you well. But God still loves you no matter what you do, and that doesn't cancel your position as a son or daughter. And then it says Ephesians 2.10. This is one of my favorite passages right here. It says, for we are his workmanship. In the Amplified Bible, it defines it as we are his own master work or work of art. When's the last time that you considered yourself to be a work of art? <laughs> Some of you are like, uh, maybe that piece that is put together with all kinds of different trash, right? 
But you are God's work of art, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I love how God calls us his work of art. Because here's the thing, a work of art points back to the artist, right? A work of art is set up to be able to be displayed. And what a work of art does is it always causes the admirer of that piece to want to know about the artist. So when it says that we're God's work of art, we should live in such a way that when people see our lives, they want to know who our creator is. That when people see our lives, it causes them to ask questions and say, how is it that you do things this way? I see your marriage. It's not perfect, but the overall picture of your marriage reflects an unconditional love, a grace that you continue to pour out, a grace that you continue to show to your spouse. I see the way that you parent, right? You don't embarrass your kids in front of everybody. (laughs) Hey, I'm guilty of that. I've done that, right? And I've had to ask for forgiveness multiple times. But my goal is that when people see us, when people view our family, when people view our marriage, when people view my relationships, that it always points back to my creator because I'm his work of art, his workmanship. And that's the challenge this morning is are we living in such a way that people want to know who's the creator behind our lives? Are we living in such a way that would cause them to say, I want to have a relationship with your God? with your Jesus. Now, many times when we hear a question like that, the first thing we think about is guilt, is shame. We immediately say, there's, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you, like, that's not me. If people were to look at my life right now, they probably wouldn't want to know God. But this isn't an opportunity for you to beat yourself down. This is an opportunity for you to say, God, there's some changes that need to be made. And the only one that transforms us and changes us from the inside out is God through the power of the Holy Spirit. But this is the church that we're called to be. What I've learned in this time is that the church is clearly not just a building. We were still having church even when we weren't meeting. God's mission and his purpose and his plan was still moving forward. It may have been in a different way. It may have been online. We may have had to get creative, but his mission never stopped. And so what I feel the Lord is saying this morning is he's saying, let's come back to basics. Number one, understanding that it's all about Jesus. Number two, understanding that you can't earn your salvation. This is an undeserved gift through grace that God gave us through Jesus Christ. So I feel like a lot of us just need to kind of cast off a few things off of our shoulders that we've been carrying wrong beliefs, unnecessary weight, the tension, the bitterness, the anger maybe, because again, division has happened here. And God is just saying, come back, unite. We've got a mission to go after. There are people out there that need to know the gospel. There are people out there that need to know the grace that I freely have extended to you that you know about, but they don't. The love that you know about, but they don't. So I just want to pray with you guys this morning, if we can just bow our heads and close our eyes. And the first thing I want to do this morning, we always want to give an opportunity for people to start a relationship with God through Jesus. 
I say this not as a scripted thing, but that's the best decision that I ever made in my life. When I talk about who I was before Jesus and after, I feel that because I remember how I felt. I remember trying to find my identity, my affirmation through different things, through different people and always feeling empty. There's no amount of accomplishment that I could reach to finally feel worthy. But when Jesus stepped into the picture, he says, I'm not taking you in because of what you've done. I'm taking you in because of what I've done for you. And the Bible says that God is a holy God, meaning he has no sin, without blemish, without stain. We are not. We have sin in our lives. And if you don't believe me, just take a look at some of the decisions you made this week. And sin separates us from a holy God. An unrighteous, a sinful person cannot come to a holy and a righteous God. So what's the solution here? God couldn't stand being separated from the thing that he loved the most, you and I. So what he did is he sent Jesus to step into the picture and say, a sacrifice has to be made in order for my child to be reconnected back to me. And that's where Jesus steps in, dies a gruesome death, is raised after the third day, on the third day. And because of that, we have new life. And the Bible says in the book of Romans that if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. So I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If you're watching online or you're here in person, if you've never made a decision to start a relationship with God through Jesus, here's your opportunity. And if that's you, I just want you to just slip your hand right there where you're at, whether here in person or watching online, if you can just put a hand emoji on there and saying, I want to start a relationship with Jesus, go ahead and do that. And I want us to all pray this prayer to join in with those that are about to join our family. Say, Father, I give you my life. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I believe that he was raised on the third day. Change me, God. Transform me from the inside out. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for everybody that made that decision today? Come on. And I just want to pray a prayer over you guys that God would open up our eyes and be able to see the ways that the enemy has been dividing us as the church and that he would bring us back together today. So Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, for every person that is watching, listening, or here in person, God. I thank you, God, that right now, Lord Jesus, you're giving us, God, insight on things that maybe have been dividing us as the church, God. And you're bringing us back together under one name, and that's the name of Jesus. God, I pray that out of this time, that everything that is going on, Lord, that your church, the body of Christ, rises like never before, God, with a power that we've never experienced before, with an authority, God, that we've never seen in our lives, with a boldness, God, to be able to go out there and declare the good news of Jesus, God. Father, bring us back together that when the world looks at the church, they see unity, God. They see effectiveness and they see empower, God, empowerment through the, through the Holy Spirit, Lord. Let us catch a new revelation, God, of who we are as your sons and daughters, God. Remind us of our position as your children, God. 
We ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us today. Now this week, take some time and recognize what in your life is bringing division that you need to let go of so that you can make Jesus the focal point. Get rid of that division and focus on Jesus, that he would be the very most important thing in your life. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new, and we want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We would love to hear from you.